today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. did you and I give up for Jesus compared to what he gave up for us? He surrendered everything. He gave his very life. He shed his blood on the cross. He bankrupted heaven for you and me. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he pursued us. How does that old hymn go, victory in Jesus? He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. He loved me. I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of his love for me. And therefore, all my love is due him. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Jesus owed us nothing, yet he still came here so that he could offer us salvation. Pastor Gary challenges us today to try and grasp just how much Jesus has done for us. We do this so that we can truly see how good he is to us. Even if living through the worst of circumstances, the fact is, Jesus offers us salvation, which will make us right with God. Because of this, we will be able to place all transgressions behind us and live out eternity in Christ's kingdom. Know that Jesus went to the cross for you, and he wishes to see you in his kingdom. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 66 for part one of today's message titled, The Refiner's Fire. All right, I trust you found your place there at Psalm 66. So um, let me give a brief intro and then we'll read it together and pray and dig out this psalm together today. The subtitle you'll notice of Psalm 66 says, For the Director of Music. If you have a new King James, it says, To the Chief Musician. Followed by the words, A Song and A Psalm. Now, what is the difference between a song and a psalm? Well, a song is sung, and a psalm is the Hebrew word mizmor, and it means something accompanied with a stringed instrument. So this particular psalm is intended to be sung and accompanied with a stringed instrument. The author is unnamed. A lot of times in the subtitle you hear who the author is, you read who the author is. In this case, uh, there is no author mentioned. A third of the psalms, 50 of them, are considered orphan psalms, which means that there is no authorship attributed to that particular psalm. So we don't know who that person was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this chapter. The theme of Psalm 66 is basically a psalm of praise for God's awesome deeds and his refining work in our lives. And we're going to talk about that last part as we make our way through Psalm 66. So let me read it. Psalm 66, for the director of music, a song, a psalm. Shout with joy to God all the earth, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. 
They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come and see what God has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. But you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your, to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has graciously, rather has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. If you'll glance again at uh, verses 8 through 12, there's a section here in the middle of chapter 66 where the psalmist is describing events that were a hardship for Israel, some kind of trials that they have experienced. You'll notice the language in verse 11, for example, where he says, you brought us into prison. Uh, some of your translations say, uh, you brought us into the net and laid burdens on our backs. In verse 12, also the psalmist writes, you let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. It's a picture perhaps of uh, somebody else on cavalry who are, are over their heads as they are being led off to captivity somewhere or, or some kind of hardship happening here, walking through fire and water. We don't know exactly what the psalmist is referring to. There's a likelihood perhaps he's referring to the history of Israel when they served as slaves in Egypt. There's a reference in a few verses earlier where he talks about it in a way that kind of makes sense that maybe this reference is to the hardship in Egypt. It could also be later in Israel's history. We know that some of the Psalms were written after the exile in Babylonia. When the Jews were taken off to Babylon for 70 years by King Nebuchadnezzar. And then uh, another king came to power, King Cyrus. And the Lord used Cyrus to let the Israelites go back to the promised land. And so perhaps the psalmist is referring to that. The period in their history when they served as captives uh, in an ancient land of Babylonia. We don't really know what the hardship is, what the difficulty, what, what the trial is that the country is going through. But what we do know is that whatever this hardship or whatever this difficulty was, it served to test them and to refine them as the people of God. That it was a process by which God would make them a better people. If you'll notice verse 10, this is going to be kind of the key verse for our study here in Psalm 66. Verse 10, the psalmist writes, For you, O God, tested us, you refined us like silver. There are actually several places in the Bible where this analogy of being refined like silver or gold is used to describe the process by which God uses 
circumstances in our lives to make us better people. I've entitled today's teaching, The Refiner's Fire. The Refiner's Fire. Now, I've shared with you before, and some of you are familiar, my family grew up in coal mining country. Uh, My great-grandfather was a circuit rider preacher on horseback through the hills of West Virginia. So we trace our heritage back to the hills of West Virginia. My great-grandfather's son, my grandfather, always said that the Hamricks walked with a little bit of a limp because we grew up on a hill in West Virginia. So one leg was longer than the other. Who else has family roots in West Virginia? Let me see your hands. Let me see. Hello, cuz. (laughs) So, you know, coal mining country is not too far from us. But whether we're talking coal or whether we're talking silver or whether we're talking gold, any rock or metal or mineral needs to be refined before it can really be useful. Now, depending on what the element is, it will be refined differently. Uh, Coal is refined differently from, for example, silver. Diamonds are refined differently from gold. But one thing that all rocks and minerals and metals share in common is that before they can be refined, they first must be mined. They have to be dug out of the ground. And so there is this process of mining before something can actually be refined. And when the psalmist here compares our lives to silver being refined, he already assumes something. And what he already assumes is that the silver has already been mined from deep within the earth. And such is true about our lives. He makes this comparison to our lives being like silver that is refined before the silver can be refined We first have to be mined, and that's what happens. God goes after us and digs us out. And he takes us from the depths of some pit, and he he mines us for his purposes. It reminds me, this whole analogy reminds me of the parable of the treasure, the hidden treasure that Jesus taught in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Now, it's only one verse. It's one of the shortest parables that Jesus ever taught. But here's what he said in Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field it's really a very wonderful and very short parable but jesus talks here in terms of this guy who comes kind of sauntering through a field and he stumbles upon a treasure and maybe some of it was protruding up from the ground and he realizes this is a valuable piece of dirt So in joy, he goes out and sells all that he has, and he buys the field, because when he buys the field, then he owns the treasure. Now, you read almost any Bible commentary, and there is almost agreement between all Bible commentaries that the treasure in the field is Jesus, and that what we need to be about is finding him and giving up all we have in order to secure Jesus. But I disagree with those commentaries. That doesn't make sense to the, to the overall view of the gospel. Because the fact of the matter is, listen, it wasn't that I found Jesus. It was that he found me. Right? I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was lost as lost can be. 
It was Jesus who found me. Do you remember years ago in the decades, I think of the 70s, there used to be this bumper sticker campaign that some churches had going around. And it was, I found it. I found it. And it was supposed to lead to another conversation where people would ask you, what did you find? And they'd be, well, I found the Lord. Hey, bumper sticker, maybe. Make for good conversation, perhaps. But it's theologically incorrect. All right? We didn't find him. He found us. We weren't even looking for him. And he came in our direction and pursued us and found us for his glory. In the second place, in the parable, Jesus says, And then, in joy, went out and sold all he had to buy that field. Gave up everything to buy that field. What did you and I give up for Jesus? Compared to what he gave up for us. He surrendered everything. He gave his very life. He shed his blood on the cross. He bankrupted heaven for you and me. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he pursued us. How does that old hymn go, Victory in Jesus? He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. He loved me. I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of his love for me. And therefore, all my love is due him. So the treasure in the field, folks, is you. That's how God sees us. He sees us as redeemable and valuable. And so he goes after us and dies for us and pursues us and loves us to redeem us. Okay, but here's what happens now. So he digs us up from the dirt. All right, he redeems us, this treasure. But we don't come out looking very pretty. All right, there's a lot of blemish on us. There's a lot of dirt and debris about us. Oh, treasure indeed, underneath all the dirt. But there's some cleaning up that God needs to do in our lives. And that's the refining work. That's the refining work of God. When God mines us from the mass of humanity and saves us for all eternity, we come into the family of God with some serious imperfections. And so in the course of time, God then refines us. God's love is not defined by simply mining us and then dropping us in a bucket for eternity. He mines us and then he refines us so that we will be of greater worth and value and more conformed to his likeness. And that refining process then begins. Now, in a comparative sense the bible talks often about refining silver refining gold refining rock and metals and minerals always involves some aspect of washing cutting breaking or heating or all of the above and i did a little research in prep for this study the process for refining coal begins with a chemical bath to remove sulfur off of the coal. The process for refining diamonds. They have to submerge the diamonds in strong caustic and acidic solvents, and then the diamonds have to be heated to 400 degrees to 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit just so that they can become workable. And then when it comes to silver and gold, 
Silver and gold have other metals bound to it, like lead and zinc and tin and copper. And so in order to get rid of those other metals that have bound to the more precious metal of silver and gold, they have to put silver and gold in a furnace and heat it up to 1,750 degrees Fahrenheit for silver, 1,950 degrees Fahrenheit for gold, in order to separate the impurities to refine these precious metals. Now... That's no big deal for objects that have no feelings to be heated up to that kind of temperature. But for you and me, for people who actually feel pain in our lives, God's refining work can sometimes be very painful and very uncomfortable because it is often through painful life experiences that God will do his refining work in our lives. And God does his refining work in our lives to make our faith more genuine. Now, I don't mean more genuine in the sense of more sincere, as if you weren't sincere before the difficulty that you went through. But I mean genuine in terms of better quality. You know, if you have 14 karat gold, 24 karat gold is more genuine because the quality is better. And the truth is that when it comes to our lives Some of us are 14 carat, and God wants to make us 24 carat, and the process can sometimes be excruciating. But it is his refining work as our loving father to accomplish his good purposes in our lives. The apostle Peter recorded it like this in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. He said this, In this salvation you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, what Peter is saying is your your faith is valuable, uh, more valuable than gold. But just as gold has to be refined to bring out its true value... So it is that our faith will have to be refined by God to bring out its true worth. And the process is not always comfortable. And so God takes us through the fire sometimes to burn away the impurities and to bring to the surface some junk that we didn't even know perhaps existed in our hearts. That junk that rises to the surface When the heat is turned up and metal is refined, it is what silversmiths call the dross. The dross is all the other garbage that comes to the top. You know, it's the lead, it's the the zinc, it's the tin that comes to the surface when silver is heated up. And then the dross is skimmed off or blown away so that what is left is more precious. This, again, is why the psalmist says here in verse 10, underline it in your Bibles, For you, O God, tested us, you refined us like silver. And this is not the only place we find this reference in the Bible about us being refined by God like precious metal. For example, those of you who like to take notes, Job 23.10, we read, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. In Zechariah 13, 9, the Bible says, This third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. 
They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people and they will say, the Lord is our God. Isaiah 48.10 See, I have refined you, though not as severely as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And Malachi 3, verses 2 and 3. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And many verses afterwards that tell us God's refining work in our lives. And because the Bible is filled with images of God working as a refiner in our lives, we can gain much insight by understanding the refining process. There are five steps to the refining process of silver. I'm going to take you through these five steps. We're going to see a parallel in our lives and how it is that God works in us and through us to make us better people in the end. The first step that the refiner takes us through is the refiner breaks up the ore. The refiner breaks up the ore. In biblical times, the refiner began with a hammer and took ore that had been harvested out of the earth and would use the hammer to break up the rough ore, which was hardened rock encased with common metals, again, like lead and zinc and copper. But that rock contained more valuable silver at the core. And so the first thing that the refiner would do was to break up the ore so that the ore then could be down to its basic element before going into the fire. Breaking the rock is necessary to beginning the refining process so that the highly valuable minerals or metals can be exposed to heat. That breaking, by the way, first happens when God's word begins to break our hearts. And we hear the truth from the Bible about how God loves us and sent his son Jesus to die for us. And, and so God uses his, his word, the Bible, like a hammer to break apart the rocky places of our heart. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet terms it like that. He said this, Jeremiah 23, 29, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? The Lord says that the Bible, that his word as it goes forth, is like a hammer that begins to break apart the, the stony parts of our heart. I remember the first time that the, that the Bible was used like a hammer in my life. I was 15, attending a retreat with my cousins at my uncle's church. And all my life up to that point, I thought I was going to heaven because I was a churchgoer. All right? And that, I had bought the lie. If you go to church, you're on your way to heaven. Until the guy who was speaking at that weekend retreat confronted me with Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. See, I had the first part down. I believed, but I had never confessed. I had never made Jesus my Lord. I had never told anybody that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the son of the living God. My faith was simply a matter of what I thought. It was not how I lived. It was not what I said. So this guy used Romans 10, 9, and 10 in my life, thankfully, like a hammer. The Word of God, like a hammer that broke apart the stony part of my heart. That's the first place of coming to that refining work of God. 
You are broken over sin. You're broken over your life. You're broken over who you are. And you understand your deep need for God. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too, so give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know 